0: The cannabishes welcome to high tea high tea is a high vibe cannabis entertainment company for women who also love weed hey, buyin this is a thoughtful and blunt exploration of pot and its magic the role it has in the lives and processes hey, of cool and creative people everywhere and an evolving cannabis culture we're seeing happen before our very eyes We're elevating perceptions with every episode. Listen up as we go in. And we are back, another week gone by, another week in quarantine. This is episode 29 of High Tea Life, and I'm your host, Jen Newton, otherwise known as Newts. And really, what can I say that I haven't said already? Despite this perpetual Groundhog Day, where we're having the same thing day in, day out, We seem to be experiencing some real highs and lows, it seems. A collective sort of vacillation between extremes. Sometimes between days and hours. Surprising ourselves, I think. It's a time when the universal lesson seems to be saying, balance the fucking extremes. Find the middle. Somehow. Anyhow. I don't know if it's the middle between feeling okay and raging or using your voice and being quiet, focusing on what's me, mine, mine versus what's good for the collective, the community, whatever it is, find the middle. Besides whatever takes you to stillness, this flow, meditation, this bliss, that's all one and the same that we're looking for. I think another way might be creative expression, art. Creation is empowering, right? It's where we see ourselves. It's a vehicle to finding who we really are. So I challenge you to to maybe stretch yourself. I gotta challenge myself to do the same. If your output all day is taking your mind into a computer, try using your hands. Try it with no end goal and try it for no audience. It's in the creative messy moments that we experience ourselves uncover new things and maybe find new ways to sustain and and build going forward makes us feel proud and it makes us empowered and ready to ride the wave in front of us straight into our new reality. My guest this week knows this much better than I. Having found equilibrium and balance in between highs and lows, you and I, my friend will never know. He is the original weed crusader. He went from winning the world's first Olympic gold medal in snowboarding ever to spending the night in jail. My real first memory of weed in the collective mainstream, out of all of it, his story, those ups and downs, those highs and lows, he's found himself right in the middle and out of it built a golden opportunity for his own path. Listen up as we sesh with Ross Rebliati. This is High T Life. Hey, Brian, you're not. Hey, Brian, you're not.
1: There he is. How are you? I'm good. I'm just trying to flip this uh, video around. Oh, there it is. Got it.
0: <laughs> yes. Back in the den, I was at, I was just about to ask you if you were rolling up with me, but I see that we are.
1: I got the uh, grow tent behind me.
0: Ooh, show us. Hi babies, I feel like they're actually looking a little bit sprightlier than last time.
1: <laughs> I transplanted them this morning. Oh yeah? Yeah, they're looking a little better.
0: It's actually an amazing vantage point. All I see is your Amsterdam. Ashtray.
1: (laughs) Well, I just gonna keep that close by. Did you mind if I eat this?
0: Eat it. What is it? It's kind of an omelet. It's got a couple of eggs, peppers, onions, broccoli, cheese. That sounds amazing.
1: Some prosciutto.
0: Oh no. I don't eat pigs anymore. I'm too like emotionally connected to them, you know?
1: Yeah, because of Charlotte's web and stuff.
0: What the book or the strain? (laughs) uh no you know what like I remember reading that pigs have the emotional capacity of a four and a half year old and at the time my nephew was four and I he was my best friend well he still is but like even at that point I was so connected to him that I just at that moment it clicked to me that like they got it they understand
1: yeah
0: and like they they were, they wonder what happened to their mom and like stuff like that. Sorry. <laughs> while you're eating.
1: pigs well, are intelligent. They're
0: right. And then I've read that our DNA is like 98% a match to theirs or something like that, which is why their meat is most addicted to addictive. And I just like, I stopped eating them.
1: I barely eat meat. I put some prosciutto in here, sort of like salt.
0: I mean, nothing tastes like that. Let's be real.
1: Like a seasoning. I got you, (laughs) but it's not really the main part of the meal. That's for sure. Yeah, it was one piece.
0: oh well, bless him. Thank you. You're grateful. (laughs) You you definitely seem like you like live with intent or intention and gratitude and all of
1: that. Morning. I went. I tried to wake up early because I've been in a weird schedule lately. But I tried to wake up early and go for a bike ride this morning. Went for like a thirty. 35k ride, and um, we live out in the countryside, so no cars, no people, and uh, yeah, it was my first ride of the year, so I was pretty pumped to get that out of the way. But uh, keeping busy right now, um, I mean, at any point in my life, I've always tried to to do that because I've always been in a state of isolation. You know, well, not always, but starting off in like the early 90s when I went to Europe to start racing. You know, no cell phones, no internet, no phones in Europe at the time. Just walk down the street to the mailbox or mail. what's it, the post office to make a phone call. You know, there was lots of days where, you know, lots of weeks and months where I was in Europe by myself, no contact to the outside world. And then of course, after Nagano, things got a little hectic for me as well after that. And kind of kept me in, in a state of isolation, even after I got back from uh, the World Cup tour. So it was uh, not a big change in my lifestyle, you know, for us to be in self-isolation right now, I guess. It's
0: so, it's so interesting you say that because your name, I mean, you were... Like I said to you when we met, your story and your name was one of my first mainstream cultural moments of like weed in our narrative and your name stuck in our minds and never left and our parents remember you and our grandparents (laughs) remember you right? and remember your brand and your story and or at least have crafted their own idea of you which is probably what you mean when you say you were in isolation. Like, I mean, okay, so we can walk back to Nagano in 98 or whatever and, 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 and talk about that story because you went from the ultimate high to what, you know, talk about ultimate high to like ultimate low. Like you won an Olympic gold and then you were in jail. <laughs> is that what you mean by isolation?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a, a balance for sure of good and evil.
0: And, right? um, as
1: life always I could, is like, appreciate the the things that were coming at me like that were new and all the support from from Canadians and from people around the world um at the time and and to this day and so to be thankful and appreciative of those those smaller things I mean they seem I mean I guess it depends how you look at it but it's not like um they were tangible I could like earn a living off of, you know, or or put it in the bank or or whatever. It was just something that you really have to, like, adapt to. And um, I think maybe a lot of celebrities, and I don't know if I am or if I'm not a celebrity, but probably I can relate to a lot of celebrities that don't really feel comfortable out in public, uh, you know, the way the average person does.
0: I got you.
1: I think I've been living like that for a couple of decades now.
0: Isn't that amazing? Formative years.
1: I live here in my little house and my front yard and my backyard. And I grow weed. And I pretty much stay here with the kids and the family like 24-7. And then every once in a blue moon, I go out to a trade show where it's just like, ah. Right. You know, people coming, lining up, getting pictures with, you know, the metal and chatting and, you know, just showing their love basically. and And then I get back and it's just sort of surreal where it's just, you know, the front yard and the backyard and, the <laughs> family again. and meanwhile I've got all of these experiences of you know celebrityism or whatever you want to call it and uh, yeah there's it's like a, a lot of ups and downs and you got to kind of sort of somehow realize that you can't live off that high all the time and that you it's better to you know try to find like a in-between you know I think in our society in the in times like this where we kind of shut down the normal day-to-day activities I mean in my opinion I think everyone was running on a high for 40 years just go get a coffee whenever you want and go through the drive-through don't even have to get out of the car you know order in do whatever and now all of a sudden it's like no that's shut down and we got to get back to 1970 you know we're going to build a garden in the backyard and we're going to grow our hair out long and grow weed. And we're going to take a step back from the rat race. And I, I think hopefully that most people will try to do that and move forward in a more conscious way.
0: I love that perspective. I, I've been saying that a lot too, that in a lot of ways, nature is the only place we're left safe right now oh. and you know from that's where we're allowed to be when we're in social isolation all the way to growing our own food and growing our own plants like you've been growing for a long time though right have have you always lived pretty sustainably and so conscientiously or has even this put stuff into perspective for you
1: well i guess i i've always been conscious of it um what my carbon footprint is and you know, when I was racing, I was flying around a lot. Back in the in the 90s, we didn't really know too much about our carbon footprints at the time, but um, I guess I was more cooking for myself than most people were at that time, and to this day, like, I cook most of the, a lot of the meals, you know, at home, and, you know, my wife does tons of, tons of work, too, and I, you know, I try to pitch in here, you know, in there wherever I can. But, you know, I think when you make your own food, you have a better appreciation for what, you know, you're actually eating and how your body responds to it, how you sleep, how your daily routine plays out based on what you're eating and what you're doing during the day. And it's all boils down to like a solid foundation, like psychologically, so that when there are some downs, you can sort of mitigate them and when there are some highs you, you realize that okay you're not gonna that's not gonna that's not real forever that's just for now and to try to always maintain that even keel. and I think you know being on the world cup tour and for example I would do 20 races a year and I would win one race so for other 19 races I had to figure out okay how can I do better what was it going to take to make up that extra time and and so you know being successful is also about you know, realizing the mistakes that you've made and how you can do better and go take another run down the course, no matter how bad things get, just see if we can, you know, shave a little bit of time off. And, and I think in reality, in real life, that's what I've always strived to do. And, you know, I, I understand things don't happen overnight and I didn't win the Olympics overnight. It took me 1987 to 1998, it took me 10 years of really giving her. And same goes for anything else. I mean, if you want to accomplish something in your life, it's going to take ten years to build it and to to realize, you know, the ultimate your ultimate goal. And people are so used to like, oh, I want coffee now. I'm going to go get it. I have a goal. I want to achieve it by next week. It's like you're setting yourself up for an impossible, you know, future.
0: Unsustainable instant gratification is like instant. Wah-wah. It's so interesting you say that. I was going to say you've got such a grounded and insightful perspective for somebody who was living a life like of such thrills. But then when you say it like that about, you know, how to temper the wins versus the losses, it really made me realize that like, probably that's the foundation. (gasps) What up, Rocco? Do you remember me? Say hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. How you doing?
1: <laughs> Guess what? I'm doing a little phone call right now. and Daddy's going to roll up a little.
0: Yeah, we're going to roll up together. Look at mine. Oh, nice. Golden.
1: <laughs> so why don't you go and hang up? Thanks, Rocco. I love you, too.
0: <laughs> I mean, honestly... Kids. I mean, they seem like they're driving everyone nuts, but at the same time, I, I bet you're so grateful just for family and to have right. everyone safe and to have the it's, distraction of like seeing the world through the eyes of little kids right now.
1: It's so they're so innocent; they have no idea what. Well, I mean, they kind of know what's going on a
0: little bit, but uh, yeah, right. Nice have that,
1: so innocent; they don't need to know it too much.
0: They're very. um empathetic they can feel their way through a lot of things right so yeah
1: yeah we're pretty open with the whole COVID situation like we listen to the news and watch the news on TV at night we talk about it and I think instead of being like brief about it and just touching on it and then we've kind of gone a little bit more into it where we're a little bit desensitized to it, so it's not as shocking, mm-hmm. you know, to to talk about it or even to joke about it. Like we've actually been joking about a lot of weird things <clears throat> just because we're stressed out. We're trying yeah. to like
0: coping, you
1: know, make light of it. So there's quite a few like hilarious things about being stuck at home, like. Uh, there's, there's a, a joke floating around, and the, the doctor is like, Okay, you've got symptoms, and you, you know, you got to go home and quarantine uh, with your wife and kids for the next 14 days, and and um, that's plan A. And plan B is, and then the guy's just out there, Plan B. What plan B is, give me that. So
0: I saw one yeah. that was like, For $3,500, we'll come and pick you up in full hazmat has suits and take you to your girlfriend's house for 14 days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I mean, we're fortunate. We've Our relationship's uh, going on 10 years and we've got kids. And, you know, we've been living like this already for that time. And so it's not like all of a sudden we're stuck at home together. And um, that's helping.
0: And as I think what's also helping is what you just said is you've sort of figured out how to live amongst, I guess, like the ups and downs and the hills and sort of ride the waves of things and, and realize that we find that happy medium, <laughs> that fine balance in between, right?
1: Yeah, that easy thing to do.
0: Well, it's just amazing that it took like, I mean, the average person really doesn't get that lesson the way an elite athlete, a professional athlete, an Olympic athlete might. Do you know? We don't yeah. get, we don't get <laughs> snacked with humility even as often.
1: Right, yeah. You plan things out in so that you're successful at everything you do in in your day to day life. Whereas as an athlete, you're pitting yourself against hundred of the fastest guys in the world. And I would win maybe one race a year and go to twenty races around the world. put it in perspective that doesn't sound too bad but i i knew some guys that never made the top 10 in 10 years let alone you know make the podium a bunch of times and win one race a year so and they were the when those guys that that never would you know really ever win a race in their career whenever they would break the top 10 that was like winning a race to them like they almost Mm. like they could really appreciate you know that tenth place where I would come seventh or sixth place like friggin' 12 times a year (laughs) and try to break into that number one bracket, just shave off that extra bit of time. So for some people, they were happy with 10th, and and for others, you know, we weren't happy really unless we were in the top five. And uh, I think, but to always set yourself up to win, I think it's better to set yourself up more. To recover from your mistakes than it is to try to take the fastest line. I think in real life it's the same way. You can go about it so that you can make a mistake and not screw your whole entire life up, and then you know still get to the finish line. I think that's the that's the trick, people.
0: Well, it's like a balance of resiliency and risk, right? Because I was going to say like the average person can set themselves up to never experience such a loss because we don't take such a risk. Our highs aren't as high. So our lows aren't as low.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: maybe, <laughs> I don't absolutely. know.
1: What I mean, there were so many risks that I was taking besides, you know, flying down the mountain fast. Like I wasn't going to university, for example. Right. Uh, I didn't have a plan B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I definitely wasn't ready for the aftermath of, of Nagano and, and my career. Uh, and so you know, those were a couple of things that in retrospect, you know, you could look at it where if you don't know what you're getting into, it's almost better. But then.
0: Right. Would you have done it?
1: It would have been nice to come out of, the whole career also with an uh, MBA or something like that.
0: But, uh,
1: you know, I can just hire an MBA.
0: That's what I was going to say. There's a lot of MBAs who don't have a heart, soul, or a story right now. And it sounds like, I mean, I believe the universe puts us where we need to be for whatever reason, right? And to get us to where we need to go. And clearly that's happening with you, like you took your love for cannabis into building a brand. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. How are you you guys doing over there? We're doing good. Yeah,
1: you're good. Yeah, we love each
0: other, right? Kind of almost our normal lifestyle anyway. That's what Ross was just saying, like staying close as a family unit, living (gasps) off the ground, being close to nature, sort of how you're used to being. You know, it's encouraging us to do more what we kind of felt like we wanted to do anyway. I mean, there's there's ups and downs, right? And, and we're thankful for all the people that are, you know, in the front lines. For us, we, it's so far so good. So. Good. I'm, and I think you're right. We never sort of know the things that are going to shove us into change and reality, but here we are. And if you can adapt and be resilient right right now, then you're, you're winning, right? That's the lesson. Yeah. And we don't really have a choice. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. We don't have a choice. So we just got to do it. It's
1: nice um, when, it's when all you all don't over. have a choice that you don't have to change what you're doing.
0: Yes, exactly. Where it's like validation (laughs) for your life.
1: We weren't living in in a vodka commercial before COVID happened and we're not living in a vodka commercial. Exactly. I think that's probably what people are realizing is how can they live a sustainable life the same with or without COVID, with or without having to stay at home. Hopefully people can figure out that because I think the less vices that you need, the less things that you need to go out and do and and be a part of, the better the planet
0: is. Consuming. Um, no doubt about that. Consuming, right?
1: People need to chillax and stay home. And uh, just in general, there was too much going on, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, we <laughs> were at a we were at a stress point, it seemed like, right? Yeah. Where it was a tipping point, something had to give. Totally. It's all the system. That's a very cool operation.
1: It's nice, right? It's yeah. kind of, those are all the empty jars of, of weed up there that I uh, <laughs> I gender. smoked them. And then I just they're just lined up now.
0: Perfect. Ready for your next curing. Yeah. Are you smoking more than normal or is it pretty like keep on keeping on?
1: Same as usual.
0: Do you yeah. and your wife smoke together? She left.
1: She's not here, but we do. She's up She wasn't a puffer before. uh, We've been together for 10 years.
0: Oh, a nice joint. I bet she has. Speaking of, I'm going to join you. Um, So do you think a couple can get along if one of them smokes and the other one doesn't?
1: As long as there's no discrimination, right? I mean, if one person is somehow offended or doesn't want the other person to smoke weed, then the relationship must come to an end.
0: Ain't it true? I mean,
1: it just has to end. You can never, if someone's like that about weed, they're never going to change their mind.
0: You're right. And never accept. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit more about <clears throat> sort of the stigma and discrimination. How did the athlete and sports community respond or you know get behind you then versus now in terms of the weed you like were you shunned back then in the 90s
1: i got both i got everything right there are parts of the industry that were relying like the, we had just gone through the olympics right and snowboarding was trying to have like this better image and not as streety and and gangster as as what snowboarding was so you came along. <laughs> the Olympics was gonna, you know, fix all that up, right? And so here I come along, test positive for for the weed, which is exactly what everybody already thought anyway. Was that snowboarders uh, smoke a lot of weed? So it was a perfect storm to kind of keep snowboarding in that bad boy bracket. You know, snowboarding took off and everything, but I don't know. It was pretty
0: wild weed wasn't actually on the banned substance list back then was it or it wasn't it wasn't
1: right so we thought it was
0: which is why they stripped your medal at first
1: they messed up so what happened was leading up to the olympics we had to join the new World Cup tour that was gonna give us the points. And on that tour, weed was on the banned list of substances. And THC was on the list of substances for the World Cup tour. So we assumed it was also on the list of banned substances for the Olympics. And we went into the Olympics thinking that it was. So nobody was smoking weed or anything like that uh, leading up to the Olympics.
0: So you weren't smoking in Nagano, like you didn't like score?
1: No, Japan's always been like, and Asia, we never, because we would go to Japan every year, right, to race. It was probably my 10th time to Japan to race over the years. And Asia is just some places that you just don't want to mess with, right? So I was going to
0: say. And
1: we doesn't like addictive where you have to have it. It was never a big deal. Like if we could get it, we we would anywhere else. It wasn't like we had to have it. And anyways, it was kind of, for me it was just the healthier choice like I wasn't a big drinker I turned into a little bit of a drinker (laughs) over over my life but I wasn't a big drinker on tour and so weed was kind of like what I did to chill at the end of the day and to sleep to fight to jet lag and stuff like that what happened in though was uh, even though I wasn't smoking weed going into Nagano, I was still hanging around my buddies at, in Whistler and going to dinner parties and other parties that, you know, like a friend of mine and a bunch of other guys passed away in an
0: avalanche. And so I was at a
1: couple of those parties where there was a lot of all kinds of consumption going on.
0: Of course. And like, how old were you? You were
1: 26. In your
0: 20s. Yeah. A guy in your 20s.
1: And I wasn't smoking weed or anything knowing that I was probably going to get tested at some point going into the Olympics. And sure enough, I had three drug tests going into the Olympics, which I didn't hear anything about or back from. And when I tested positive after winning the, the race...
0: Do you think after, it was a scam?
1: I don't know. I don't know, but after I they, they released my three drug test results that I did before I went after this all happened and I was testing positive for weed in all of them which I had no idea. I was also highly ranked in the world at the time coming into it and you know my gut feeling tells me that they just screwed up and that they didn't really they, they probably didn't realize themselves that weed wasn't on the list of banned substances for the sport of snowboarding because it was the first year that snowboarding was at the Olympics. It was on the list for other sports like oh. and freestyle skiing and stuff because they say it added creativity.
0: I was going to say synchronized swimming. You don't want gosh for that, but it does. It adds creativity and like an yeah. elegance and flow, which is why. I'm assuming, even though I'm sure you don't condone it, a lot of snowboarders like it.
1: I love it for that.
0: Right? The moment.
1: It's, it's great. It's, it helped you get more dialed into what you're doing. And I'm not saying like somebody who doesn't smoke weed is all of a sudden going to realize the benefits that way right at, at off the bat. But for somebody that was smoking weed for over a decade, that was all of a sudden at the top of his game or her game.
0: Then, yeah, you
1: can put the two together and really enjoy breaking up the monotony of the thousand training days in a row
0: i how- I deeply engage with the moment, like the thing right in front of me with weed. Do you know what I mean, and if it's something that has flow or music, but like dancing or like a yoga a moving meditation, riding a bike, I'm assuming snowboarding, even though I was always pretty useless with that shit. I'm way more present with it somehow. I feel like otherwise I have like...
1: Yeah, and it's good for just being in the moment and appreciating the color of the sky or whatever, you know, like just right then and that, that second, right? And not, you know, try to be part of the landscape more and not really just driving past it all the time
0: exactly part of the nature and the the realization that we are it that's i'm always like i'm like a four-year-old out there like touching plants so, and talking to animals you know
1: that's the trick is to get yourself in your life in that point of your life where you can you know do that because the stress load on people get out of control you know with credit card debt and car payments and whatever mortgage that you somehow qualified for that you shouldn't have not being able to breathe or, or see colors anymore.
0: (laughs) Do you, I mean, obviously you smoke flour and you smoke joints. How do you like take cannabis in, in other forms? Do You believe in CBD?
1: Well, I love uh, edibles and and CBD. Uh, I love topicals. Uh, creams for like sore joints and muscle like when we had the ross gold store open in Kelowna, i had um quite a lot of the, the top brands at the time during prohibition there and got it the opportunity to try everybody out and
0: so you yeah. had you had a full like dispensary experience yep so flour and all the things
1: all the things we had 25 kinds of flour and we had the shatter to go with every every strain
0: oh wow
1: so you could have the strain itself or the extract from the from the strain Um,
0: growing that or were you working with craft growers to to do that
1: yeah we were working with multiple craft growers
0: that's amazing that's amazing to have that option of like both either format
1: yeah it was great right and so At the time, too, a couple of years ago, you know, doing dabs and everything was kind of not new, but it was still a pretty novel thing to do. And so, yeah, we had all the uh, edibles as well. We had like infused beef jerky, infused dried mango. We had Ah, chocolate. And and, um, my favorite was the infused honey. Yeah, I like to mix that in my uh, coffee in the
0: morning. Oh, yes, please.
1: We just bring a little jar of it on your travels and you can just hit a Starbucks at the airport and, and medicate right in the airport.
0: It was so. full spectrum?
1: Yeah, always full spectrum. Yeah.
0: Okay. So did you, so you, did you, you put a pause on Ross's gold because you guys are going to play legal or? You,
1: yeah. Well, just we been watching
0: put- Ross's homegrown. <laughs>
1: We paused the uh, store a couple of years ago before legalization. The city already imposed a bylaw that dispensaries weren't going to be on that street anyway. So, you know, I've always been a big thinker and I wasn't too concerned about one store being here or there. So we just complied and, and shut the store down after a couple of years. Voluntarily, we didn't get shut down or anything. That was probably, yeah, I guess two, three years ago now, and we're looking at uh, full legalization and and, um, dispensaries and all kinds of new regulations with regard to craft grows, being allowed to have their products be directed to specific dispensaries. So that's all of a sudden way more interesting to me about craft and, and being able to go to a dispensary. And seven years ago, when they came out with the regs, I said I wanted to do that. And then they, all they did was come up with the LP license, which I didn't want to be an LP. You know, I wanted to always the brand and wanted to be the, the coffee shop like like Amsterdam and have the, the cannabis available there at the coffee shop and make it a, the social thing that it is. In the meantime, we've just been sort of building the brand and playing it out. And what we expected to happen kind of eventually you know, the uh, the people kind of spoke and what is important to the consumers is quality and, you know, that the, the people growing the cannabis care about it and that these new companies that got involved in, in cannabis show respect to why they were there in the first place. And that was because of the, the hard work that the guerrilla growers and the activists and the people that put their necks on the line, having stores open during prohibition, plowed that road for them.
0: No doubt. And,
1: you know, to not allow
0: the growers
1: in more easily right away, I think, created a divide in the industry for a number of years and um, made it pretty much impossible unless you were hugely capitalized. And But what we're finding out now is no matter how much money you have, you you can't make people like your brand so we're finding a lot more people reaching out right now actually because they're realizing that they're the producers they're not the brands and that they need brands that people care about and want to be able to move their product and so now because of pitfalls along the way and sure we would have loved to have been involved already but because of karma maybe we were finally able to literally cherry pick you know the best of the best and and partner up you know from the beginning and come out with a solid presence we're hoping for 2022 that's our target is to be back in action by by then. but like i said before it doesn't doesn't happen overnight
0: well i think it's divine timing always especially when you're dealing with growing anything. Um, But I think what nature teaches us is often to respect the process and just, you know, respect timing and have patience. I truly believe that that divide that you talk about is wider than ever. I think it does have a ton to do with the fact that the brands that have been sort of maybe emerging in the legal space don't have heart and soul or real community, but also that, like you're saying, the quality isn't there and whether or not that's because they all kind of started from the same seeds or the fact that they haven't enabled a platform for craft growers to really step forward and, and be celebrated in the way that we as consumers are built to enjoy.
1: I mean, it was designed for a medical field like originally seven years ago when Harper came out with the regulations for LPs and not so much for a recreational reality that we have now now we we're gonna see the craft growers take over because they're not allowed to sell medically and it kind of keeps everybody in their lane right
0: what were you just saying i have
1: no idea I can't remember. <laughs> do not remember
0: well oh yeah that the so industry was built up, for uh, medical not recreational
1: and so now you can have the, the craft growers supplying the dispensaries which are also for recreational purposes I mean, it's kind of a joke the way they've designated it that way because it's still medicinal even if it comes out of a dispensary. It doesn't make, make it less medical. Than... There's no
0: such thing as recreational cannabis. Right. I, I truly believe that. It's completely, right. it's a wellness tool.
1: Yeah, it's, that's what I've always said, right? It is what it is. It's good for you. Whether you use it because you like it or because you don't, it's still good for you anyway.
0: Yeah, it's just a, it's shit ton of fun if you're doing it right too. That's just the that's the stigma. That's it the takes
1: you a while to to learn like yourself, right? To figure out how much weed you can smoke.
0: <laughs> exactly, and what kind of weed you like, and even I mean, I start. I've realized I respond to certain terpenes and not to other terpenes, which is why when we're talking about craft growers, I get so interested because, and I say this every episode but the more that i learn about the endocannabinoid system i learned that we're built to discover that every single one of us is different like a thumbprint and that thumbprint kind of matches up to the f- certain flowers and we're supposed to be trying different things we're supposed to hear about a watermelon or a this or a that and want to try it yeah that's what the craft growers allow for is like what's the new bloom right yeah
1: crossbreeding and and genetics so i don't want
0: the packaged like same shit every time i don't want that
1: yeah that's and that's the the trick to doing genetics properly and to have a brand where you have multiple growers potentially growing the same genetics you can actually get it down to the point where you're sending out cell culture to producers and everybody's plants in the whole country will have the same branches. And so as long as everyone's using the same technique and the same gear, because it will boil down to them being part of the same program, just like Tim Hortons or UPS, it's the same truck, right? Everywhere you go. And Mm. um, Hmm. that's the part of it that hasn't really happened yet.
0: That's the 3.0. That's the next evolution of the next.
1: Yeah, as being able to come out with the same PK and BC as they're growing in Nova Scotia. I got you. Otherwise, being able to produce enough of it out of one place.
0: So that's how a craft grower scales up.
1: I, well, a craft grower can have multiple craft licenses, so they can scale up that way. Um, a brand can license their brand to as many craft right. licenses as as they want to or that there would be a demand for so
0: and speaking of golds like that's the gold standard really is is building a brand that consumers trust enough that it can actually act as a platform that presents different things and new things to trial and discover and the consumers trust that the brand stamp of quality is is trusted enough, right? Which is what you had probably with your dispensary. Ultimately, at the end of the day,
1: right? Well, people did, you know, feel like if it was there, that it was probably good. And so, a lot of seniors came in with questions, and people that you wouldn't necessarily expect, uh, you know, felt comfortable in the setting that we we gave them. You know, we spent a lot of money actually on the store itself and designing the store. And, um, you know, it was beautiful. You can, that's, the, that's what it's all about is having that customer experience and, and having it nice enough so that, you know, somebody was coming in from the lawyer's office or wherever, um, or somebody else who's walking in with their skateboard doesn't feel like they're out of place, right? So it's kind of, you know, we felt like that West Coasty high-end wood and glass concept was the most welcoming to, to everybody you know people can appreciate the the beautiful uh, products inside you know the store and feel comfortable in whatever part of society they're from
0: yeah not be intimidated i think that welcoming is the key word like i smoke a lot of weed and i do not feel welcome in a lot of le- like legal retailers I felt way more welcome in like the skidliest like, bouncers here and trap doors here and all this kind of thing than I do in yep. some of these legal retailers that look like Mac stores right, or Apple stores or whatever, right?
1: Yeah. So that, that's the, the trick there is to try to figure out. The heart. You know, that medium where it looks good, feels good to, to everybody.
0: So how has the how has cannabis brought the sports community together or like brought people into your life that you wouldn't have necessarily expected?
1: Well, I think it's brought a lot of people out of the closet, out of the weed closet, you know.
0: Is there Uh, another term for that? Because I use that term too, and then I'm like, is that the term?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess it is. I've had, you know, several Olympic swimmers and other athletes and people that you wouldn't expect, you know, confide in me that they smoke weed. I think it's kind of justifies what athletes have always thought, anyways, was that it's a healthier choice, you know, at, at the end of the day, as far as choosing different recreational substances, and that it's also beneficial to your your working out and your training regimen. So really it's like a one of the best things in, in the world for, for an athlete because of those reasons and, and many more yeah. now that we're allowed to do it. And still there's some governing bodies that need to allow THC so that athletes can fully get into it. Like for, you know, the NFL and the NBA and the NHL and the whole uh, WADA and the IOC for the Olympics and they all they've all done some work on CBD which is good they're allowing CBD and I think that's that's fantastic but for it to really open up for the athletes to be able to talk about it and fine-tune their what their craft is they're gonna need to lift the ban on THC and let the athletes be healthier
0: full spectrum right full spectrum wellness
1: full spectrum wellness. And get off the painkillers and all the things that are addictive
0: that. No, no, no. Ross's phone cacked in the middle of our sesh, but by now you guys get the gist. I think we can all take a lesson from someone who lived a life of such extremes, such highs and lows, but found himself in his way forward by grounding himself firmly in the middle. Keep an eye out for Ross's Gold Regulated coming down in 2022. This will be all about the craft. Find Ross on Insta at RossRebliotti98. That's R-O-S-S-R-E-B-A-G-L-I-A-T-I 98. Or check him out on Facebook and YouTube at Ross See you next week. This is High Tea Life. Thanks for listening. Check us out on Insta at hightea.life like us, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all the other things. Join our invite list and holla at your girl by visiting hight.life.